on the tee from Australia, Adam Scott. There it is, Adam Scott. Expect anything different? Brilliant. What an up and down that was. In your life have you seen anything like that? Welcome to the clubhouse. Uh, g'day everyone, welcome to the clubhouse. Julian Bayard, Mark Allen with you as we talk golf right around Australia. Clubhouse every weekend. Mark Allen is here. Nice to see you, Jules. How are you going? I'm really well, mate. Uh, and I'm getting into the Tour Championship. Uh, yep. Let's hope uh, one of the Aussie boys can do very, very good things and get up. It's actually nice. Normally it's grand final week. Mm. But uh, it won't get lost so much this week, which Absolutely. is great. So hopefully we get an Aussie victory. Um with a couple of Australians doing reasonably well. I, I love the format. We've talked about it a fair bit, but um, the fact that, you know, so many people can win. Yeah, and... fantastic, man. Yeah. They're, they're, they've done so well. Mm. You know, it's a player driven The way they do it over in the PGA Tour, the players' leadership group, I'm going to call it, um, they, they get together and they make a lot of the rules. We're probably going to talk about some of those rules today, actually. Uh, but the, the, uh, the scene, there are senior players on that tour, and a lot of them have a, an enormous impact on the way mm. the tournaments play out, they have, you know they have an enormous impact on you know where the breaks are. Um, they certainly have an enormous impact on the exemptions mm-hmm. that uh, we might be talking about a little bit later with Jeff Ogilvie. Yep. But the way it's all organised, there is a real understanding about professional golf and how difficult it can be. Um, how you can have an off year mm-hmm. and be real, really you know really hurt. Uh, in, as far as your career is concerned, to, in your 40s. Um, but the, they make little backup things along the way, which yeah. is great. But the, you know, look, the way the Tour Championship, oh, I don't want to get off track, the way that Tour Championship is humming along at the moment, there is nothing wrong with it. They're, they're, it's absolutely perfect. I reckon the, uh, they have the buy right before the final, which is great. <laughs> yeah. They used to have the buy in the middle. Uh, and before they had the buy in the middle, they used to just play straight out. And you, know, you had situations where Tiger was just picking and choosing when every one of the players playing yeah. two, two events and still winning. Yeah. Um, the same with uh, Vijay Singh, just wasn't even bothering. <laughs> Vijay Singh got into the last, you know, the Tour Championship. He was so far ahead, he could have not played and won yeah. the, the 10 million bucks. <laughs> so they've fine tuned it along the way to where now it is perfect. Mm-hmm. And uh, looking forward to seeing who wins not only the Tour Championship, but the FedEx Cup. Well, a couple of scenarios, Marco, in case you haven't uh, tuned in across the yeah, weekend. But if Dustin it. Johnson wins, he wins the yep. Tour Championship. He's no. first right now. He wins, he wins. Yep. Uh, Patrick Reed, if he wins uh, the Tour Championship, uh, he'll win. He'll win as long as, Dusty doesn't, as long as Dusty doesn't finish second. That's right. I oh, know. If you're no, in the, I think, no, that's I wrong. think um, Patrick Reed, if he wins, he wins. He wins. Yeah. Top five. If you're in the top five, you win, you win. That's right. Adam Scott, if he wins, he wins. That's right. Number four, yeah. Jason Day. Um, Who's number six? Number six, I go down to Rory McIlroy. Now, right. he wins if yes. Dustin Johnson That's finishes right. tied second or worse. That's right. Jordan Spieth, who's in seventh position, yeah. uh, Dustin Johnson has to finish in a three-way tie for second or worse. There we go. So as you go further down, Dustin yeah. Johnson and all the others. So if McElroy wins the tournament and Dustin Johnson finishes second by himself, so mm-hmm. not tied second, second by himself, Dusty will still win. Yep. So it's a beautiful system, yeah. and the players are well aware of it, yep. and it makes the scoreboard fluctuations, mm. particularly on the last day, very interesting. <laughs> the old so, live ladder on the on the graphics. That's the one. <laughs> hey, you know what? That, that when you say the live ladder, they have a live order of merit, yep. basically, or a live FedEx Cup yep. order. 
basically in the last four yep. or five weeks of um, yeah, pretty much all year, actually. Yeah. So players know. And it's projected finish. Yes, and all that, and all that stuff. Are you going to go up two spots or down two spots? That is exactly right. So yep. players are actually, they have a real idea. Yeah. So that not only do they know where they are as far as the leaderboard and this week is concerned, but they'll look up and it'll have uh, currently 126, mm-hmm. but he's projected... Yep. at three under par to move into 124 and all of a sudden his six-foot putt yeah. means a hell of a lot more for par yep. than it did two minutes ago because, you know, they are watching. So, so many of the players, you know, when you hear the players say they, they don't look at the leaderboard, it's not so much, it's it's the big picture yep. that it's they're the concerned about. Yeah, yeah, so the Masters leaderboard where you don't have it, it's just, you know, a bloke putting up numbers, it's not com- computer-driven, mm-hmm. they're all looking at that. Yep. That's no worries. But... Most players won't look because they don't want to know what happens if they miss this putt or if they have to make this putt. They just, they just want to make the putt and what happens long term um, looks after itself. But if there is actually a tournament where you don't get the – then they're all looking. They all need to know where they are. They they need to know if they step on the back nine to attack um, or – you know, if you're four shots in front, you want to know you're four shots in front. Mm. I mean, you are just going to hit an iron yep. whenever you need to. You're not going to go anywhere near the water. You're just going to look after yourself. So, um, you know, it's fantastic being at a U.S. tour event. If you haven't been to one and you've got one coming up or you've got one on the horizon, you're going to have a ball yeah. because there is so much information when you're walking down each hole. Unless you're Jimmy Walker and you're going down 18 and just... <laughs> Yeah, don't worry about Jimmy. What was he doing (laughs) on Jimmy at the PGA? What was he doing? I'm looking forward to seeing Jimmy play the Ryder Cup, Mm. actually, next week. So the Ryder Cups in grand final week will be absolutely lost down here in Australia. It's one of the great weeks of golf that you'll ever see. Um, luckily for us, Still it comes at the right time. Captain's pick for the US, no Bubba, which yeah. we've spoken about, but they they're just waiting for this uh, tour championship yep. in case anyone comes from the clouds. Yep. they want to make sure that they're in the team. In America, they love a good gate. They love it, and it's Bubba Gate at yeah. the moment because well, he's he's he should be the. Lo- I mean, he should be the. He should be. He should be in. Yep. He should be straight in that spot, mm-hmm. but he's unusual. Why don't they like him? Because he's unusual. He just does things what, his own way. What is it that he's well, what's unusual about him? I'll give you an idea. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you an idea. Now, this isn't Bubba. Yeah. But this is in a team mm. that travelled not long, not, not long ago. And I was allowed uh, in just for a second. Mm-hmm. The whole team, so the helpers, uh, the caddies, the people who are managing this team, had decided that they were going to go to a restaurant uh, because... Because, because they yeah. like the sound of it. Yeah. One of the players on this team came out of the shower and said, "No, no, no, I want lamb tonight. I don't want to go there. I want lamb." So one bloke, <laughs> one selfish type of human being, instead of just going along with everybody, changed. You know, everything's changed. Now that is your stereotypical, unusual mm. type behaviour. Now. I'm so not saying that's what Bubba does. But he's a bit of an individual. But there's that sort of stuff that people just thing. don't warm to, yep. you know? Yep. By the way, the guy, there was lamb served. They said, hey, mate, don't worry. It's a great restaurant. You can come down. I'm sure they've got lamb. No, no, no. I don't want to go there. I want to go somewhere where I can get some lamb. I want some lamb chops. So they had to turn everything upside down for this one bloke. Yep. Can you believe it? Yep. So there's that sort of behavior yeah, right. that people just don't gel in team situations. Some people don't. And I've got the feeling from what we are reading and what we are seeing in front of our eyes, that Bubba Watson does not gel in a team situation. Yeah. So he's going to be last man in, even though he's number seven in the world. He's probably number three of the Americans. I mean, who's up there? Spieth's up there. Dustin Johnson's up there. 
then there's probably Ricky Fowler is in there as well. Um, so he might be the fourth-ranked American. Yeah. He might be seven in the world, but he's the fourth-ranked yep. American. And he's not in this 12-man team representing yep. the United States. So, yeah, some people just don't gel well in that team mm-hmm. environment. And Bubba Watson looks like he is one of those. Yep. Hey, I want to talk to you about Tiger Woods, Marco. Because he's yeah. having an influence on golf and he's not even playing at the yeah, moment. Yeah, it's unreal. So, <laughs> there was some talk this week that he's going going to purchase. Yes. Purchase the yeah. company that uh, you're aligned with. Yeah, TaylorMade. So, this is really interesting to me because the great, you know, the best, the biggest names in golf have always ended up associated with a, uh, a brand. Mm. So, um, when I say associated with, bought a brand. So, Ben Hogan was the first. And, you know, the Hogan Golf Clubs that yep. he hovered over for a long time, you know, brilliant, beautiful, still to this day. You look at the Hogans and his name and it's, mm. it's just magnificent. Uh, McGregor, mm-hmm. which was the biggest name in golf there for a long time, especially when Nicholas and, you know, the old McGregor, Persimmon Woods back in the 60s mm-hmm. and 70s and 80s and 90s were treasure, yep. you know. Yep. I remember as a kid, I remember as a tri- as a kid, being a member at Huntingdale Golf Club, David Graham came down. He was a McGregor player at the time. And I, I, I just looked at I was He left his clubs in the pro shop, which some of the pros were allowed to do. He, he and the Shark. So I was 14. I used to go through the clubs yeah. and, you know, just check out everything that they had. And I, I took this cover off and I just could not believe the look of the club compared to the stuff that we'd always had down here. You know, the old PGF Woods is all I'd ever seen. <laughs> PGF, you know... Ziggy Woods, and that, that's all I saw. That's all we had. The, the occasional Hogan Wood came down. They only gave us the junk. But to see a beautiful wood was amazing. So um, McGregor ended up going broke somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't know how. And Jack Nicholas ended up buying it. So Jack Nicholas bought McGregor. Ben Hogan started Hogan Golf Clubs. Tiger Woods is kind of mm-hmm. an iconic type brand as well. Yeah. Um, now Arnold Greg, Palmer had Greg his Palmer Norman Clubs. Had his shark Greg Norman, Emblems. yeah, was very much a big part of Cobra. Yep. Bought in, mm. sold out uh, at Cobra. But I'm going to be, I'm really keen to see the influence that Tiger Woods has. What do you think he's going to do? Well, I, 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 again, I've been lucky enough to look in the, in the bag of Tiger Woods. Yeah. It's really plain vanilla, you know, very plain vanilla. And when you go through the what's in the bag with Tiger, it's almost the old lofts. You know, pitching wedge loft these days, some pitching wedges coming out at 45 degrees, which is stronger than a 99 used mm-hmm. to be. But Tiger's always been old school to where he's got a 60, a 55, and a 50. Uh, even when, you know, all the players had a 48 degree wedge mm. and 46 was considered strong. But I think he might go old school. And I think, you know, when you used to see his blades, the, the Nike blades, and, and still there are people who to this day say they're the most beautiful blade mm. that's ever been made because it was just a number. A Nike swoosh, swoosh, and just a little bit of something on the on the hosel, saying what whatever they were. Yeah. It was just such a clean look, and you know you watch him dress. He he dresses so cleanly with yeah. it, it just, just it oozes one tick. It oozes <laughs> class. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if one we get a real players type golf setup with TaylorMade yep. to where you're not going to have a 46 inch driver. He's going to bring that all the way back. Mm. You won't have a 43 and a half inch or even a 44 inch three wood that'll come all the way back to 42 um the lofts won't be crazy you know he he will in my view he will make the first players brand so even though titleist is you know 
probably known as the player's brand, even they've succumbed to 46-inch yeah. long drivers. I reckon t- a Tiger, knowing you know that he is playing vanilla, um, and, and most, most of the best pros are, I think he's going to bring everything back. Mm. And you are going to see on the shelves probably more what professionals are actually using on the golf course, not what you grab a hold of and hit a few balls into the net and you say, oh, wow, look at the... Look at the ball carry. Mm. Oh, that baby, it's gone an, e- an extra three yards. Yep. I mean, who cares? <laughs> the pros don't care. You know, all the pros want to do is hit that, they call it the sweet spot, should call it the power spot these days because it's more important. They want to hit the middle of the golf club more mm. often than not. Yep. That is the key to, bu- to beautiful, consistent golf. And what they do is they, you know, they have shorter clubs. They don't have the craziness. You know, Ernie Els is six foot five. His clubs are half an inch over standard. I, I cannot get over how many people who might be six foot or six foot one, and you look at their clubs and they're an inch and a half over or an inch over. Mm. It just it sounds good to them, but it doesn't work. Yep. So, in my mind, if Tiger Woods gets a hold of Taylor Made, you're going to see classical shaped metal woods, um, and you're certainly going to see shorter clubs. Yeah, and he's going to bring it back to what the best players in the world actually use, not what amateurs hit into a net and they go, oh, wow, let's go so far. Mm. I, don't think he, I don't think he'll care. Does it confirm for you, Marco, the talk that Nike and TaylorMade are going to become very much aligned? I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't think... That, you know, it's always handy when uh, you see, you know, like Adidas Golf and TaylorMade yeah. hooked up together. Yeah. Um, you know, that that's always been quite a good thing. Now you see Under Armour and... You know, some some yeah. some have done that. I'm not sure that necessarily that needs to happen. Okay. I'm sure that Nike will survive mm. without Taylor okay. Made, and I'm very sure that if Tiger Woods picks up Taylor Made, um, then he'll turn it into something quite special Absolutely. and a way to go. So exciting! Yeah, even though it wasn't, even though it was making a profit, it wasn't making a big enough profit for Adidas to yeah. keep on churning out, you know, and spending so much money. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll use their money to make, you know build another wing to their yeah. business that will make a lot of profit. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to see it because, yeah. uh, like I said, knowing what I know, more people will be able to buy clubs off the shelf that the pros are actually using, yeah. not the junk that we see <laughs> on the shelf that might go three yards further. Feels good. Feels good, looks good. And, you know, the smash factor yeah. on the computer says it's yeah. unbelievable. But I've got a feeling you're going to see just, no, these are the clubs you should be using, folks. Yeah. Don't worry about that stuff. Use this because this is what we use on tour. And if they actually do that and brand it that way, it will go ballistic. Love it. Oh, it'll go ballistic. Love it. Yeah, it's the way to go. Might hold you off watch, on buying some yeah, new clubs. You watch it. You know, the, <laughs> the TaylorMades the TaylorMades and a lot of clubs that are sold on this shelf, um, pros, because they have the short clubs a little bit shorter, um, there's all this little hole uh, and it goes leads to a well, and mm. what they do is they fill that well with a with a uh, it's like a, f- a very heavy fluid, mm-hmm. and that gets the swing weight back up. But most of the clubs just off the shelf, they don't have that. It's just we're going to make it forty four inches long this three wood, and that's how we'll get the swing weight up to D three. Well, pro, a pro couldn't actually use that club; they couldn't use it. So for the pros, they put the well in and they actually fill it up and whatever length that the pro likes his three wood, which mm-hmm. is usually a lot shorter, then they fill up that well that's in the middle of the head for the correct weight and they make it whatever he wants, D3, D4, D5, whatever the pro wants. You're going to see a lot more stuff like that Brilliant. if uh, Tiger Woods gets a hold of TaylorMade. I hope so.
Hope so. Mate, you'll love it. Hey, you want to talk about uh, Ricky Fowler's new house? Woo. Next. There's a bit of money in golf. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, let's have a chat Jeff, about that. Jeff Ogilvy as well. Uh, his tour exemption. His exemption, uh, yeah. Yeah, I want to ask you about why he's doing that and uh, how he's going to do it. Beautiful. It's all still to come right here on The Clubhouse. In your life have you seen anything like that? You're listening to The Clubhouse. Welcome back. It is The Clubhouse right around Australia talking all things golf. Mark Allen. And Julian Bayard with you. And Marco, there's a man I want to have a chat to you about. Yeah. Because, well, he hasn't had the best year. But um, How much money has he made, Ricky Fowler, this year? This year, uh, he has made $2.7 million. Playing golf. Yeah. Good effort. And we've just said he hasn't made that much money. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean, though, yeah. because when you think of the superstars, I mean, have a look at Jason Day or what Dusty's earned this year. Mm. Would be a very, very different figure. I reckon Dusty yeah. must, he must have earned up. Around eight hundred eight mil. I'll check that. I'll yeah, we'll check that check. Yeah. Right. Anyway, uh, Ricky Fowler is going to be this week's Honda Power Player of the Week. The Power Player of the Week for Honda Power Equipment, Honda's four-stroke lawn and garden range from three hundred and twenty-nine dollars. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Honda's four-stroke lawn and garden range from three hundred and twenty-nine dollars. Only at your specialist Honda dealer. Get down there and, uh, and nice check one. It out. Nice one. Um, Kids has, got a lot of power. I know that. He has Off won the uh, US nine million dollars. Dustin Johnson. Just a cruisy year for him. Mm. Three uh, major and a uh, World Golf Championship event, and of course uh, the BMW last week or yep. a couple of weeks ago. Now Ricky Fowler, he was uh, recently named a Ryder Cup captain's pick. But what we're going to talk about a bit of fun. He's rumored to have just signed a fourteen million dollar home yeah. in Florida, Marco, yeah. complete with a full practice facility out yeah. the back. If you haven't seen this house, it is extraordinary. Yeah, um, it's got nine bathrooms, an elevator, six car garage, six bedrooms, um, yeah. and its own golf hole. Yeah, and a golf hole. Mm. So the driveway, it's a bit like uh, Magnolia Lane. <laughs> you drive down right next to the drive, uh, the the practice range, all the way. And then just so it looks like he's bought a lot there or something. It's just yeah. amazing the way it's done. Uh, different tees. There's a green at the end. Um, obviously, someone's got to look after that, but mm. that's no issue when you're when you're Ricky Fowler. Do you know at um, at Puma? I was at uh, Puma a yeah. while ago, and uh, it's just one of my friends works there. Uh-huh. And he was telling me that number one at Puma on the books. Yeah. When you walk into any Puma joint anywhere around the world. Yep. Usain Bolt, the big dog. Number two is Ricky Fowler. Is it really? That that astonishes Ricky me. Fowler. You would reckon to be a footballer yeah. or you know a soccer player or you know someone in the NFL, basketball. He is heavily branded with the Cobra and the Puma stuff. Isn't yeah. He? yeah, 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 yeah. But he's number two. Yeah. He is, mate. That 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 staggers me. So, you know, if someone like Jason Day's signed up with Nike and he's you know, about to you know wear Nike for yeah. ten million, ten bucks million a year, year. Yep. you'd reckon Ricky'd be on six. Yeah. At Puma. Yeah. I don't know what... At least uh, number two. I don't know what Usain would be on. What would he be on? Oh, 20 mil a year? I wouldn't even want to know. 20 mil a year. <laughs> It'd have to be at least It'd have that. to be $20 million at least. a year. Yeah. That that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, he's the fastest bloke ever. Mm. Ever. Yeah. He's going all right. <laughs> Not bad. So, if Ricky's on $6 million a year, yeah, look, you know, the, the money... The money that these guys make. I mean, career earnings. What's he made? Around twenty, twenty mil. Uh, career earnings of twenty-four million. Twenty-four million bucks. And look, he hadn't been around that long. Mm. I remember when Ricky. Since two thousand and eight. Yeah, I remember when. Well, it must have been two thousand and seven or six. Ricky Fowler came to Melbourne. He played in this tournament called the Master of the Amateurs, and mm-hmm. it was at Yarra Yarra Golf Club uh, at that stage of the tournament's um, uh, lifespan. And the last at Yarra Yarra is a par five. And today, you know, if there's no wind, I will hit a driver 
and a three wood or a five wood yep. and and get there reasonably well. Um, Ricky Fowler, when he played in this tournament, he's just a kid. He's only you know, 19 or 20 mm-hmm. years old. He's a little guy. And the last hole was a playoff and it was into the wind. And he hit a driver and a nine iron. <laughs> and it was into the wind. <laughs> the, the power that this kid generates is just untold. Um, and he's just gone through this restructure of his golf swing with, with Butch Harmon. And, you know, Butch, I just love Butch Harmon so much because he doesn't teach people to a method. He looks at what they've got. He looks at what they bring to the table. Yep. And he tries to make it as best they can. Now, Ricky always had this strange takeaway with his hands. It's hard to get rid of. It's almost gone now. Now he's got this laid off position at the top and it kind of clicks over, but it just doesn't matter. Butch has found a way to make this guy a much more consistent player. And he does it all the time, mm. Butch Harmon. I mean, when he got a hold of uh, Fred Couples, Fred Couples has, you know, he's got his own swing, but he made Fred better. He got a hold of Darren Clark. Darren Clark's got a really unusual golf swing. He got Darren Clark to the stage where he won an Open Championship. He looked after Greg Norman. When the Shark was with Butch, the Shark was unbelievable. Tiger Woods, we've never seen a player like it when uh, when Butch Harmon was looking after Tiger Woods. Mm. So there's one after another. Uh, he's done some good things with Ricky. Now Ricky only needs to really fire back. He's won a Players' Championship, yep. but we want to see him win majors. Need a major, Ricky. Yeah. Yep. No, that's a good power player. I, I like the segment, actually. Just have a chat about Son. Just a casual yep. chat. Did you think of that? Uh, yeah, I'm going yeah. to take credit for that. Good. Yep. I'm glad you did. I'm, <laughs> glad, I'm glad you did. It'll be good to see Ricky Fowler in the Ryder Cup, too. It will. Next week. Yep. Now, Jeff Ogilvie, Marco, interesting story this week, yep. um, is going to use his career money exemption. Right. It's a great exemption. on tour. Yeah. Stuart Appleby's used it twice, but Stuart Appleby, I think, was once in the top 10 career all-time money winners. And uh, he could he could use that one. And mm-hmm. there's there's another one that he can use if you're in the top 20. Yep. It used to be. But look, the rules are pretty Jeff's fluid. Jeff's using his top 50. There you go. Wow. So the top 50. The rules are reasonably fluid. He's currently number 28 on the career money list wow. of all time. Okay. So, I mean, that, that's an enormous yeah. enormous achievement. You think all the golfers that have been through that US tour to be number 28. But this is what we're talking about at the top of the program. Uh, the player committee that, you know, the, the US tour very much listens to, they understand professional golf at this level mm-hmm. better than anybody else. I mean, they understand. They see their mates drop off form, and some of them have disappeared. And this exemption's been around for, I don't know, 10 years. But it's very handy when you get to 44, 45, whatever Jeff's age is, because you don't need to drop off that much. You can drop off maybe, you know, your stroke average goes from 71 to 72, and you become a really average player mm. on the US tour. Like, almost no good if you go from 71 yeah. to 72. And that's... It's no big deal. Yeah. I mean, that, that that can be it. You know, that can be an issue with your chipping. Mm. And all of a sudden, Something's you go more. from a bloke who is making two million bucks a year to a fellow who's making six hundred thousand a year, and before you know it, you you know you're looking for a job somewhere else. Uh, that job at the US tour job is the it's the it's the most prized position anywhere. And even to the point where we see Beef Johnson is yeah. now yes. come across. He's he's kept his he's he's actually won a card for next year. We'll talk about him in a tick. Yeah. Um, but you know, for Ogilvy to, to use that uh, top 50 all-time money list exemption, you only get one go at it mm-hmm. uh, if you're in the top 50. I think you get two goes at it if you're in the top 20. Yep. I think it's something like that. Yeah. The, the, but like I said, the he rules... He can get himself back up there and yeah. Yeah, have another go. Ogilvy used it twice, He and, but he was a top 20. He was a top 20 guy for sure. Appleby. Appleby. Yeah, I, I, Appleby's yep. used it twice. Yep. Thanks. Um, so, look, 
well done. We'll be watching. Mm. Uh, he just, you know, you need to finish in that top 125 on the FedEx Cup points total. Otherwise, uh, Jeffrey Boy will be uh, playing somewhere else. Yep. He'll Pretty have to simple. Go back down. Well, I think if you have been a member of the European Tour, which Jeff has, and you've won a major, then you pretty much get a lifetime exemption on the European Tour. There's always that option. Mm. But he married an American lady, mm. so I'm sure that uh, you know being over that in America is, is a massive part of it. Very enticing. Yep. Now, Andrew Johnson, or as he's better known as... Beef. <laughs> we love beef. We do. Now, he's um, he's going to split his time between Europe and the US mm. going forward after yeah. he secured his PGA Tour card uh, last weekend. Yeah. Well, basically secured it. Yeah. Well, look, he's played... Uh, look, he, he probably had to... Join up the US Tour at the start of the year. Um, I think he's a top 50 player these days. And he played well at the Open Championship. We've seen him play well at the uh, in some American tournaments as well, the World Golf Championship events. So he, he won enough money to actually play in the full series of events. And he's just gone whackety-whack, bang-bang, mm-hmm. the first two tournaments. And whereas he's top got, 25 uh, at the moment. He's got 54,000 um, 54, earnings from the first two events. Yeah. And so um, you need to be in the top 25 earnings yeah. um, at the end of them. Yeah. And last year, the top 25, like 25th, was they earned 32,000. Right. So yeah, he's, okay. he's going to be fine. So what they do off the web.com is uh, the top 25 players there, they get a card, but they are invited to play and to increase their position uh, when it goes into next year. So of the top 25, it's the top 25 players who haven't already mm-hmm. won themselves a card. So if some of these web.com players can actually win, they'll go up. Go, they'll go in front, and that top 25 will go down to 26, 27, 28, whatever. Yep. Might go down to 30 or 40 for all I know. But that's the way it works. It's a beautiful system now because it just shows you that you don't have to go to the web.com to get yourself a card, which is what all our Australians guys do. Yeah. You, know, you don't have to do that. You know, It's not like Brandon Grace wins twice at home, uh, got into the top 50 by winning twice on the European Tour a little later that year because he won twice on the... Uh, in, on the Sunshine Circuit there in South Africa, he straight to top fifty in the world, and bang, you're you, without even blinking. Yep, you're a Euro, US Tour player. So look, I think that's the path forward for our guys now. I really, I, I really believe, particularly when we've got tournaments like uh, uh, the Perth World Six, yes. yeah, the World Super yes. Six in Perth, uh, the PGA now, the Australian PGA is now a European Tour event. Mm-hmm. I think our guys need to just change the compass a little bit. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about the web.com. That's pretty hard to, one, you've got to survive. You're in a foreign country, not playing for much money. You've got to survive. Um, to get on that European Tour, yep. go and do it. Mm. Go and do it now. Absolutely. I love this in the article on ESPN about uh, Beef Johnson. In the second paragraph, yeah. <laughs> we haven't even talked about anything. <laughs> Johnson made headlines last April when he won his first European Tour title in the Spanish Open and admitted yeah. he could not wait to get home afterwards to, quote, get hammered with yeah. friends and family. Correct him on that. The 27-year-old Londoner has since become better known by his nickname, Beef, yeah. and exploited being flavour of the month during the PGA Championships by signing an endorsement deal with fast food chain Arby's. Arby's. Magnificent. That's the, that's the second and third paragraph. Imagine Beef Johnson... Playing on the US tour next year with an Arby's visor or big Arby's on his chest. You know, it'd be hilarious. I think last week was a Hamburger Appreciation Day in America. And of course, Beef was right there. Of course, he was. He was just lying next to a, a hamburger and gazing at it. Yep. Just beautiful. Uh, we wish him well. He's an unusual character. He is. Unusual looking dude, unusual yep. character. And just seems happy playing golf. Just loves it. Living the Good dream. Player. Living the dream. Hits it straight. Yeah. Like, hits it really straight. And just watch, next time you're watching Beef Johnson, he's got a weird takeaway, but watch the pause at the top. Yeah. I love the pause. It's just beautiful. Okay. Yeah, if you're having trouble, 
Ball's going left and right. The pause is a big fixer of that. Nice. Hmm. Might feature in a masterclass a little bit. Oh, that's, no, well, I've got something else lined up. All right. I've got something else That's not up. too far away. You're listening to the clubhouse or on around Australia. In your life have you seen anything like that? You're listening to the clubhouse. Yeah, you certainly are. Welcome back to the clubhouse. Mark Allen and Julian Bayard with you talking all things golf right across Australia. Now, Marco... You may have noticed a tournament going on at the moment, in addition to obviously the main ones we've been talking about, but it's called the Eisenhower Cup, and uh, it's a great tournament, and uh, during the week, it's over in Mexico, during the week, you and Craig Spence on Chasing Birdies had Mark Hayes on from Golf Australia to chat a little bit about the Eisenhower Cup, how it all works, and what is happening right now over in Mexico. Let's take a listen. Good day, Hazy. G'day, Mark. Good to be back on with you guys. G'day, Spencey. Hey, Hazy. How often do they play the Eisenhower Cup? Every second year now, uh, and it's running basically conjunction with the Espirito Santo, the women's the week before. So the, the women played in Mexico last week, and the men are about to tee it up just about now, actually, in Mexico. Rightio. How'd the girls go before we get on to, uh, on to business? Uh, the Australian girls battled a little bit, to be honest. Uh, they finished 12th, which is no shame. It was a record 55 strong field, so it was a good effort to finish 12th. But in the big scheme of world golf, they finished 40 shots behind Korea, and Korea won by 21. Wow. It was incredible. It was it's got to be a record. Oh, it was a massacre, absolute massacre. And the, and the three Korean girls, the teams are only three strong now, not four as they used to be. Yeah. Three Korean girls, two 16-year-olds and a 17-year-old, and they finished 29 under after the You're round. You're joking. So um, hey. they gobbled, gobbled up the courses and they just spat out the opponents. Hazy, an appropriate question is... Are we? What are we looking at in five to ten years' time? Because when you look at overall strength of girl numbers in our junior tournaments in this country versus what's going on in Korea, what do you think we're looking at in five to ten years' time with the absolute domination of Asia with uh, women's golf? Well, I don't think we're looking badly in terms of Japan, China, Thailand, any one of the other sort of regional powers that we might play in the Asia-Pacific area. But I think Korea's just taken women's golf to a whole new level. And if you look at, you know, the results of Evian, for example, I think four of the top five or maybe five of the top six are Koreans. And then if you look further down, there's Americans, Australians, New Zealanders, all with Korean heritage. And, you know, they're just an absolute beast when it comes to women's golf. I think in, we've, you've got to remember, we've just got Minji Lee and Suo, who are only 20. And we've got Hannah Green coming through now, who's about to turn 20. So we've got three good ones, but... Uh, you, we definitely need for three or four years' time. We need someone else to put their hand up. There's three or four sort of at that second level, and we need one mm. of them to actually bob up and do something special in the next few years. Now, is it Jean Chung who's just won the second major, her second major of the year? She's a Korean girl, I believe, and it's her rookie season. She's won a couple of majors. So it, wherever you look in the women's game, uh, it seems like these girls from Korea and South Korea and so even the, I mean, you just throw in Thailand there with Jutenagan. They are yeah. just crushing everybody in their way. Yeah, well, it was in Ji Chun, and she actually, yeah. you know, as you say, it's the second major. She, she's a rookie on the LPGA Tour this year, but she's a two or three season veteran on the Korean Tour. And they, if, they, if you can win there, you can win anywhere. Um, mm. So she's come out with a lot of victories from Korea, knowing that she can compete against her compatriots, and that's just hasn't chock full of confidence. One of the girls who won in the, for the Korean team in Mexico last week, Marco, mm. is actually the reigning Australian amateur champion. So um, they, they're, 
they're spreading their tentacles. They're not just amateur events and yep. events. They're, they're everywhere. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a tremendous achievement by a country. I, I actually, it, you, you got it without any drugs in their arms or anything like that. You've got to compare it to like East German domination of sprinting 30 years ago, 40 years ago, because they are unbeatable right now. Yeah, yeah. I, agree. I agree. No, I was just going to say, Hazy, just one more point on that. I spoke to a guy called Andrew Wellsford, who is the singer. He's an Aussie guy. I grew up. He played junior golf when I played. He's the national coach for Singapore, and he said to me, Spencer, you've got no idea what's on its way from Asia. He was talking across the board in terms of golf um, improvement. He said, give it five more years. So I just think on the girls' side of it, it just appears that though it could get stronger and stronger for the next five to ten years. But we'll see how we go. Yeah, well, I think Australia is on a par with those, those other countries at the moment, and that they're among the best in the world. So I mean, there's a whole ruck of countries uh, right behind, um, or not right behind, but they're all behind Korea. So mm. if we start comparing ourselves to Korea, we're in deep, deep trouble. If we can hang on against all the other ones, we're still probably going okay. Hey, uh, let's talk about uh, what's happening this week in the Eisenhower Cup. Uh, now, we've got a US amateur champion, Curtis Luck from Perth. He's playing for us. Who else? Uh, no offence to the girls, Marco, but this is the big one because we've got the best ranked team we've probably ever sent mm. in terms of the world amateur ranking since they've been around. Um, so Curtis Luck's ranked number three in the world. Uh, Cam Davis is ranked number 10. And Harrison Indicott ranked number 11. So Australia's got nice. the lowest ranked team in combination of anyone there uh, by a long shot, actually. So wow. they might start actually loosely favourites in that tournament, probably... The US is always a powerful team. Scotland's got a good one and England's reasonable, but you would think that Australia, uh, statistically anyhow, would actually start favourite in Mexico, which is a phenomenal achievement in itself. I mean, you've got to put it on the board. Uh, and they're playing a couple of really tough courses. They're playing the Mayakoba El Chameleon course, which is where they play that OHL Classic on the yep. PGA Tour. So, you know, they're playing it to the to its full extent, as you'd expect, obviously. So, you know, a couple of, couple of tricky courses and... These guys are primed. So they've been talking about this among themselves for weeks, for months. So expect really big things this week, and they're, and they're confident of delivering. And what's the format for the Eisenhower Hazy for our listeners? What are they? How do they play it? Yeah, oh, there is an individual title, but it's largely sort of nominal. Um, the, the, the format is three scores each day, three individual scores. You take the two best and combine them for the team, and you do that over four rounds. So we're looking at. You hopefully want to be shooting sort of combined 138 for six under. Mm. Uh, that sort of score will probably get it done. So if you're looking at 24 under over four rounds, or something like that, Spencey. There he is, Mark Hayes, talking about the Eisenhower Cup, which is happening as we speak. Still to come on the clubhouse, Marco's masterclass is up next. Don't get out of your car. Stick around. It's a good one, Marco tells me. So stay there. It's coming up right after this. Marco's Masterclass. Uh, time to get a free golf lesson before you get out of the car. Mark Allen is here. What do you got for us today, Mark? Okay, uh, now, luckily for me, I'm with TaylorMade, and I've just been ordering a couple of new fairway woods. Now, I've always been a 15-degree man, sometimes even a 14-degree man with the three-wood, and I've never really been a five-wood guy until I started doing this job. Yep. But I am now, and the five-wood's unbelievable, but... I'm imploring people, if you don't hit the ball very far these days with the new ball, the 15-degree driver is just for the pros, just for the power hitters. I've gone to the 17-degree, it's called a high launch, three-wood. 
Now, the high launch, it sounds like it's an old man's club. I'm telling you, it is not. Mm. And the people that I play with when they hit their three wood, it, they carry it 180 metres and then it runs for 40. That's no good with a three wood unless you're going into the wind. You've actually got to have a three wood that stops a little bit and a club that you can hit low if you need to. Now, 15 to 17 degrees, it's only two degrees. The ball flight's just a little bit different, mm-hmm. just a little bit because the, the launch angle is just a tiny bit higher. But what it does do with the new ball, because it, it doesn't spin as much, the ball carries further, but because it's coming down on a steeper angle, it will stop for you. And it's really important to have a three wood like that. Mm. My five wood's the same. They've gone from an 18 or a 17 degree five wood to now a 19 degree five wood for the same reasons. The flight's not that much different. It's not an old man's club, a 19 degree five wood. It's not. In fact, I'll tell you why I went to it. And there's something that caught my eye. Yeah. After Dustin Johnson oh, yeah. won the BMW Championship, the What's in the Bag came out. Dustin Johnson, a 10 and a half degree driver. Yep. I mean, he's a different swinging guy, so that's one of the reasons. Yeah. But even with his length, he's got a high launch 17-degree three-wood mm-hmm. and a high launch 19-degree five-wood. Wow. So Dustin's the strongest bloke we've ever seen who's hit a golf ball. Yeah. And Dusty is using the lofts that most people should be looking at. Now, he's got a closed club face. There's a whole few reasons why he's not mm-hmm. using an eight-and-a-half-degree driver. But if this guy with a swing speed of 130 miles an hour is using a 10.5 degree, a 17 degree, and a 19 degree, then the people out there with a swing speed of 100 miles an hour, I'm tipping that should be the same sort of setup, right. if, if not a 12 degree driver. Yep. So there's just a little bit of something out there. Don't have a three wood that goes low. It's useless. Get a three wood that goes sort of low, but somehow stops just a little bit. you just got to get the balance right. It's a much more valuable club to have in your bag. New clubs. Love it. Well, if you're getting a little bit older or if you're thinking about just upgrading, Mm. it's important. Something something a bit different. Yeah, that's right. And if you're you're really good and you know the (laughs) go quite well, just get the – and you're six foot or under, a 42-inch. Yes. 42-inch three-wood and a 41-inch five-wood. Yep. 42, 41. Just remember that as well. If they can do it. If they've got the capabilities of keeping the swing weight the same – Go and do it. It'll be the best thing you've ever done. Marco, it's been great having you here. Looking forward to watching the rest of the Tour Championship. Ryder Cup next week. We'll talk about that. Good on you, Jules. Always What's the handicap? Pleasure. Did you win the comp last week? Uh, a bit rainy for you. A bit wet last bit wet week. For you. Didn't okay. play. Well, looking forward to hearing you down to five next week. Yeah, well, maybe not. Good on you. <laughs> See you then, buddy. See you, mate.